And now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Hello everyone and welcome to Witness Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak, and today we have a very special guest, George Alvarado, the author of Apocity, The Greatest Omission. George, how are you today? Doing good, Ryan. How are you feeling today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me, man. So, why, why in the world am I talking to some guy from uh, Wyoming? <laughs> I'm actually from Chicago, Illinois originally. Uh, I'm currently stationed in Wyoming. Um, I'm with the United States Air Force, and um, I was stationed uh, overseas for seven and a half years. I've done you know many open air preachings over there. I've done Chicago. Um, I have been in Denver since I've been here, and also in you know we've done some events here in Wyoming. But um, I think the main reason why you're you're probably speaking to me um, is because you, you heard about me and you, through Ricky Gantz's show. And uh, that's how we met. And then, of course, through the CCN network as well. Um, that's how we know each other. So um, I think the Lord has brought us together. Absolutely. And, you know, you also wrote a, a little book that is uh, becoming very popular in the evangelism circles. Is that right? Well, I don't know how popular it is, but I know that there are people that know about it now. Um, and it is called Apostasy, the Greatest Submission, um, in which we describe the sin of not evangelizing. Okay. So, George, before we continue, uh, you said you are with the United States Air Force. That means you're you're a soldier? Uh, no, soldiers are Army. I'm an airman. Okay. Well, uh, that that what I meant was you're 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 serving uh, in, in the Air Force. You're not like a civilian contracted no, out. No, sir. I'm active duty. Okay. Well, I want to say thank you for your service to our country, sir. Well, thank you for your support. It means a lot. So, George, tell us a little bit about you. Are, are you married? Do you have kids? What, 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 do you, what can you share with us? Um, I'm definitely married. Uh, I've been married for 10 wonderful years, and we're going to be celebrating our 11th year this, this November. And um, it's been a wonderful marriage. And uh, I, I don't say that without a stutter, with a stutter either. It's, it's definitely been a wonderful marriage. I have a son from a previous relationship in high school. He's 12 years old. Um, of course, that integrates part into my testimony, but um, to be concise, my background is I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Um, when I graduated from high school at 18, left to the Air Force, and I've been in the Air Force ever since. Throughout my lifetime, though, I had uh, eight false conversions. Um, it was prior to the year of 2004, one year prior, where the Lord was convicting me uh, for a full year about my sin and the judgment of hell. Um, and like, I, like I'm saying right now, I'm being very concise, but... Through all the sin that I had involved myself with, the Lord was convicting me. And it was on January 11, 2004, in which the Lord had grace upon me, despite my hypocrisies and the decisionisms that I've, I've fallen under and the, you know, all the other things that I had fell for. Um, and the Lord saved me graciously. And uh, from that day forward, I never looked back. The Lord has been you know, sanctifying me you know, more and more ever since. And that's not just a, a theological answer. I mean, I've seen it. I know the difference between the, the, the different decisions prior to this one. So I can tell the difference. I know the difference. I've experienced the difference. And I'm just so thankful that um, I don't have to fall for a false conversion anymore. You know what I mean? It's, it's final and it's complete. And um, I just enjoy the ride of sanctification. Wow. Eight? You said eight false conversions? 
Yeah, that shocks a lot of people a lot. Uh, it's sometimes I get uh, mixed reactions. I, I get typically some people challenging me, saying that you know you you were saved one of those times, you know, and I was like, I could tell you, I wasn't. <laughs> um, other ones, you know, are, are shocked and they understand the the, the real uh, aspects of regeneration of how it it has to take the will of God, uh, and 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 I have to experience you know through the Holy Spirit the regeneration aspect. Despite you know my 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 will and my selfish reasons for coming to Him, there had to have been genuine repentance and genuine faith, or else I never would be saved. And there's others that, like yourself, that will say, "Eight, hey, wow, that's that's a lot." But I remember every single time I made a decision for Christ, and uh, and every single decision was made for various um, selfish, ungodly reasons. Right. Yeah. No. I I know with my false conversions, I've had uh, two. Uh, first one, I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, I was like eight. And then the second one, I wanted to be strong like Jesus, uh, or actually strong like the power team. And they said the only way I could be strong like them is to accept Jesus into my heart. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, though, George, uh, what about ministry? Do you, is there anything you do outside of the Air Force? Do you have a, a ministry that you do or anything like that? Um, other, I do, I do write articles for CCN, thankfully, uh, it was through your help and Jennifer allowing me to do that. So I do write articles there. I am talking to somebody else to possibly do another thing with blogging with them. I just love writing. Um, prior to that, of course, you know, I've been doing open air ministry, uh, street witnessing. Uh, I've led several teams depending on where I'm at. Currently where I'm stationed, um, we do have a small network of people in, um, Fort Collins led by Steve Bauer at Water Source Ministries. So I help out with them whenever I can, um, and um, I've uh, also, you know, helped others uh, here in the local area uh, with, you know, evangelism and various other things as well. Doing doing those kinds of things. That's just, I guess, normal everyday things that people take for granted in in the local church. So, um, yeah, those are the things that I'm involved in currently, and you know, it takes a lot of your time, especially when you consider family and Air Force duty. So, right. No, I understand that completely. So, tell us a little bit about this Apostasy Awareness Month that's going on for the month of August. Um, Apostasy Awareness Month started off, like I said, as a promotion for the for the message of apostasy, trying to get people to understand the greatest sin of omission that the Bible contains. Um, but it was also a, a way to try to get people to understand, uh, in our American culture, this sin that's just become so prevalent, and in becoming more aware, not only in the culture, but in our local churches, as well as in our individual lives, because every single one of us can always improve uh, in certain areas of our life concerning how we share our faith, when we share our faith, where we share our faith, those kinds of things. So it's a mixture of trying to get the message out there and hopefully actually raising real, true spiritual awareness concerning this sin. George, I know that uh, for Apostasy Awareness Month, you guys were like giving away free copies of uh, Apostasy, but it's the last day of August. Can people still sign up and possibly win something? Um, there will be no more uh, drawings that people can get into. However, in the future, um, we still plan on doing something like this, um, whether it's next August where we'll have another Positive Awareness Month um, or where there's just sales individually at trackplant.com or when I work with Andy to see if there's possibly any way we can just do some more giveaways uh, for people who are interested in the book. So those are our, probably our plans. Those haven't been completely discussed yet. But uh, you heard it here first. All righty. Well, 
for my listeners, since it's the last day of Apostasy Awareness Month and the actual contest is pretty much over when you're hearing this, I have decided that I will uh, go ahead and get one copy uh, because, well, I'm buying a house. I can't afford more than one copy right now. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I will get one copy to give to one lucky person. I haven't even figured out yet how you're going to get it or win it, I should say. But by the end of the show, be listening for how you will, how you could have a chance to win a free signed copy of Apocity, The Greatest Omission. I will add to that, too. I'll, I'll do the same. Okay, wonderful. So that's two signed copies of Apocity. Stay tuned for more information on how to get your chance to get the book. So speaking of more information, George, where can people get more information about you and Apocity and your ministry and all that good stuff? Um, watersourceministries.com backslash Apocity. Uh, Steve Bauer has been very kind in letting me use that heading for through his ministry to find out you know, uh, the website for that. Uh, Trackplanet.com, of course, will contain links to that website. Uh, we do have an Apocity page right now. We're doing sort of video lessons um, through the book, which I'm going to try to get out as, as quickly as possible uh, so that people, if they are not interested in reading the book for whatever reason, they can watch the videos and they'll get the gist of the message concerning what's in the book because I'll be doing video lessons for that. Um, Lord willing, in the future, I'm planning to have a website and um, also, Lord willing, we'll hopefully develop a tract that we can, we can give out to you know, professing Christians at local churches to ways that raise this understanding of the greatest, the greatest omission. That's wonderful. And I got to say, I, I really appreciate hearing that you're going to do video lessons for Apocity, uh, maybe even do an audiobook eventually, just because my schedule is so busy that it's hard for me to uh, re sit down and read a book. Um, but, you know, I travel to and from work every day, and I've got plenty of time for travel. So I a lot of times I listen to stuff in the car. But uh, yeah, I've been working on the audio too as well. So, Okay, that's wonderful. All right, so George, we've been talking about your book, Apocity, The Greatest Omission. But what is Apocity? Well, the word Apocity was coined, obviously, by me um, purposefully because it was something that I had learned in, in linguistics uh, through my studies that uh, words do have a, a significant impact on your thinking. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know, words in themselves can affect the whole of your thinking, but they do help organize thoughts. And um, through that understanding, as well as, you know, very influential men in my life, like John Hoos, William Tyndale, um, John Wycliffe, and even now certain Bible translators that are still doing works now, whether it's English or overseas, you know, there are things that I've seen that people have done for the Bible and not only that, in the English language and actually languages all across the world, people coin words all the time to try to describe things. And in apostasy, the greatest submission, the word apostasy is trying to capture or encapsulate in the word an understanding of basically the sin of omission. So we have the prefix apo, which is a common in, in words like apostrophe or apostasy, which means to depart from or to drift away from. And then you have sight, which normally people hear about concerning citing a reference. But there's an uncommon usage that's part of the definition of sight, 
in which we were talking about summoning or commanding or calling. And, you know, the root words, if you look at the, the history of the word, the etymological dictionary, you'll see sight has a lot of things like to stir up or to draw up or to bring back. So you have words like resuscitate, you know, that, that's, it's in there, that part of the word um, that include the word sight in it. And then, of course, you have the suffix dash y that talks about a characteristic of something or an inclination towards something, like somebody being too grouchy or too preachy. So if you put the word together, um, it describes a, a local church or an individual, purposefully the word, that sort of describes an individual person or local church that is inclined or characterized by their inclination to drift away from commanding and calling and, you know, to people to repentance and, and faith in Jesus Christ. So um, that is the short way of saying it. The book obviously has a more comprehensive definition, but that's the gist of it. Okay, so now why is apostasy such an important subject? Um, man, because number one, it's a command of God that we are to fulfill the Great Commission in this world. It is uh, very important for the believer to understand that when we are going to be professing believers, that the number one thing is we would desire, hopefully, in this world is to please the Lord in all things. But if we're truly born again, apostasy doesn't just signify a, a sin of omission. Hopefully it leads us to contemplate the idea that if God has truly commanded us to go out, if we don't do this, surely we understand that a command of God disobeyed is a sin. And in this instance, it's a sin of omission. And because this sin of omission has partly remained uh, a name or a crime without a name, as I call it in the book, for so long, I thought it important to give it a name so that people can categorize it, so that when people talk about it, um, it's easier in conversation, they understand what they're talking about. And not only that, it has a negative connotation to it on purpose, just like a sin should. Okay. So now, what inspired you to write a book like this? I mean, sure, it, it, it's a sin, but, I mean, don't a lot of Christians not evangelize? Well, that's... That's the, that's the controversial part of my book. Um, I try to make the case that uh, true believers will evangelize. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll stand on a corner and pass out 10 tracks a day, but they're going to share their faith, um, even if it's imperfect, even if it's stumbling, even if they feel like times that they're fearful, they're going to share their faith. And that's what Chapter 6 is all about, You know, showing from the Scriptures how this is a fruit of salvation. Now, can a true believer commit this sin, this sin of omission? Well, of course. And uh, unfortunately, I've done it in my life as well. But the reason why I sat down and talked about it in this book is because in our Western culture, this sin has become so prevalent for many reasons, theological reasons. People have thought up some excuses as to why they can't go out and share their faith. And uh, of course, there's a lot of things in the book that are interconnected and interdependent as to why people continually, always, professing Christians, seem to just fight against this one thing that just should be a natural part of the Christian walk. So in this book, I, I try to deal with a lot of those things and try to basically leave the person without excuse. But why I came up with it is because, I mean, since I've been born again, I've seen it time and time again, these, these excuses perpetuated, these doctrines which make for these excuses um, continually preach from our pulpits. And the gospel in and of itself is not being practiced and preached correctly, and it causes a lot of this apostasy uh, or apostatic behavior, should I say, to perpetuate itself throughout the, the, the culture. 
So there's a lot that goes into this and many root causes as to why this sin of omission is so prevalent. And I've seen it since I've been a born-again believer. It just wasn't until recently that the Lord gave me all the tools necessary that I believe that I needed in order to write the book. Okay, so then you would say that uh, apostasy is kind of a big problem, it, it, at least in, in American churches today. Well, I would say in Western churches, too, because in England, when I spent five or seven and a half years there, I saw the same thing. And uh, professing Christians over there who, who professed to understand the gospel uh, were very vehemently against any kind of witnessing whatsoever, um, even in the churches that were Americanized because of you know, military members that were going there. And uh, it would just be consistent it, all the time. It would just get barraged with you know, lame excuses as to why you couldn't share your faith, even in the most simplest level, and that is passing out a track. You know what I mean? So those kinds of things not only were frustrating to me, but it caused me to actually really study the scriptures extensively. So this book is really 10 years in the making. Wow. So now are there any biblical examples of apostasy? And if so, how did they play out? Give us some examples. Um, in part of my book, I use uh, two Old Testament examples to develop the principle of when God commands us to say something and then we refuse to say it, what, what's God's reaction? One of them was Moses. We were very familiar with the Bible story where Moses was commanded to go speak to Pharaoh and, and tell him all that God was going to tell him. And Moses, in Exodus chapter 4, just has this resistance. I mean, he's scared, okay? We, we know this. We has, he has the same kind of fears that we did. And, uh, but as God continually tries to comfort him, saying, hey, whatever the words are, I'm going to give you the mouth to speak, um, you know, Moses comes right back saying, you know, I can't, I can't speak because, you know, my words, you know, or I'm sorry, my, my speech is contemptible or, you know, he, he's worried about how he sounds when he speaks. Some people think it's a stutter. Other people just believe it was unbelief. Whichever the case may be, Moses responds back. And then God tells him about Aaron. God, hey, I'm going to give you Aaron. I'm sorry for paraphrasing, but that's, you know, basically the story. And I'm going to give you Aaron. He'll, he'll be your mouthpiece. And then, you know, it gets to the point where Moses almost, in a sense, says, send someone else. You know what I mean? He just gets right out to it. And that's the root cause of the problem. And it's at that point where the Bible says that God was angry with Moses. Now, if this wasn't an issue, why would God get angry? If it wasn't a sin, why would God get angry? God only gets angry at sinful things. So we can see this, these, the sort of a parallel between what the people do today regarding the Great Commission. And we can see that in Moses when he was commissioned to go speak to Pharaoh. Now we see Jonah as well. Jonah was also commissioned to go uh, speak to the Nineveh, Nineveh and preach to them. What did, what did Jonah do? He went the opposite direction. Um, and no, Jonah was now running from the commission of the Lord. And what did God do? I mean, God sent uh, a storm and uh, was ready, ready to capsulize that boat. And then the people in the boat go to Noah, or I'm sorry, Jonah, and was wondering what's going on, where are you from, who are you, who are you with? And he obviously Jonah confesses that, you know, he's a Hebrew and, um, and that it's the reason why this storm is happening is because he's running from the Lord and those kinds of things. So after they had figured out what to do, he basically told them, you know, cast me over the sea and everything will stop. So after they cast him into the sea, the storm stops, and uh, Jonah finds himself now in repentance, basically. Some people believe Jonah actually died. Um, other ones don't. Either way, what happened to Jonah was a telltale indication 
God takes his commissions very serious. And so for Jonah to go the other direction and God to actually send a storm his way is, is an indication that God takes um, the commands that he gives us to speak very seriously. So if it wasn't as serious as people thought, why, why the storm? What would be the big deal? So that's, those are the two Old Testament examples. What if we have a Christian brother or sister in our lives that we know is guilty of apostasy? What should we do? So um, normally what I do is I'll take the, uh, the, the first approach is, is encouraging first. As, a, as I've said to other people before, is, you know, it's better to assume the, the best first before assuming the worst. So what I'll do is I'll try to encourage them, introduce them to various different ministries, some of them we're familiar with, like Way of the Master, um, and try to show them the resources that they can use to embolden them in the faith. And I will also go with them if possible. I would try to figure out what their background is, you know, what is it that they have experienced in at all concerning their faith uh, and as far as sharing their faith. And if they feel ill-equipped for whatever reason, I try to introduce them to gospel tracts, some of the ones that I use, that make it easy to pass out tracks. And as I'm doing this, I'm looking for indicators. I'm looking to see if the person is willing. If the person seems surprised, uh, aghast, um, probably even, I've even had this, were disgusted at me that I would even have the audacity to share my faith with others, the conversation will definitely take a different turn. Um, normally, if that happens, I will try to ask them, you know, what's your understanding of the gospel? Because usually it's a gospel problem. And uh, try to get them to understand, do you think that the Great Commission is a command? You know, I usually ask in the form of a question. And uh, hopefully they'll say, yes, it's a command, so we can have a very easy conversation. If they say, yes, that it is a command, um, then I'll say, what, it, what do you think happens when someone disobeys the command? What is it called? Um, if that point, they, if they become very uh, skittish about saying sin because they know where it's going and they start to become very uncomfortable... Uh, I'll try to direct the conversation to where I can get them to understand that this is a sin, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be in their life. But if the person continually is, is continually being obstinate, even after trying to encourage them, show them different ways, being patient with them, trying to basically have them see that there are ways that can sort of get you into the water without completely jumping in, you know, in a slow fashion. If they're completely obstinate, normally... Um, depending on who it is, I'll wait a little bit just to see if there's a change of mind. I'll let them be. Um, but if they continue in it and we can have the conversation again, I will definitely direct attention more to whether or not they're truly a born-again believer or not because their resistance to even share their faith in the most simplest fashion is usually a telltale indicator that uh, their high esteem for Christ isn't there. Um, and if, if the opportunity arises, I will normally just tell them, so I would say, you know, do you understand that this is a, a sin of omission? Do you understand that this is something that, you know, Christians should not be characterized by? And, and those kinds of things, trying to get them and basically probe them and exhorting them the best way I can still, even while trying to rebuke them concerning their sin. And Lord willing, you know, through all that, through all the interviewing and through the compassion and, and trying to approach them, hopefully there'll be some conviction. I have to leave it up to the Holy Spirit to do that. If the person is still hesitant and still resistant, um, there's really nothing else I can do as far as humanly possible to help try to convince them that what they're doing is indeed sinful. Um, so in essence, what I just took you through is how I approach any sin, um, making sure the log is in my eye first, uh, being compassionate, being patient, talking to somebody about it, approaching them, 
trying to see where they're at concerning their life because sometimes it might be a misunderstanding. There might be something that I'm missing, and that's happened too. Um, so you, you want to be cautious and you want to approach them, but you don't want to leave it be either. And the best time to approach somebody is usually when they're alone. Mm-hmm. So now, would you say that this would fall under the, uh, I think it's Matthew 18 uh, category of uh, church discipline? Uh, yes, I know that that's probably going to cause controversy, but just like anything else, um, if it if it staggers for too long in a person's life, I think it is grounds for church discipline. But what people don't understand is church discipline starts with me and you. It starts with me talking to you and confronting you about something. It doesn't start when you have to tell the elders. And that's something that people don't understand is that we, we are continually should be church disciplining one another every single day and helping each other grow and encouraging each other and exhorting one another and, if necessary, rebuking one another. So, yes, I do believe that this sin is a category by which we should administer church discipline. What do you say to someone who's guilty of apostasy or not sharing their faith, but they realize the error of their ways and they want to change? Maybe they're not sure how or where to start. What would you say to them? I would say first, amen. <laughs> awesome, wonderful that uh, that you have you've confessed these things to the Lord and you have a desire to want to tell others. And I would I would start them with the the way of the Master in season one or some kind of basic course. I would actually walk them through it. I would be there with them. I would actually show them some Bible verses by which uh, have encouraged me the things that I've experienced in my life as well. Um, introduce them to the track ministries that are out there so that they can get their foot in the door, starting with passing out tracks if they're still not sure how to go about this. And I will be with them. I will, I will do what I've done with people in England where I actually go out when we're regularly going out anyways. And I'll say, hey, this is when we go out fishing. Come out with us at this time. I will stand with you and we will work at this together. And uh, I will just stand with them and show them, hey, this is how I pass out tracks. You can try this. You can try that. And when you talk to people, have them stand next to you so they can listen to you talk to people. And then when there's breaks in between, you're talking to them about what they heard. And it's just basic discipling. You know, you're, you're talking through them and you're working through them. You're showing them how the Bible applies in an everyday witnessing encounter. And then also telling them it doesn't always have to be on this Saturday. It could be throughout the week. Pass out tracks to a person who is doing your money at the bank, you know, or the person across you from the McDonald's. You don't have to wait on every Saturday. You can do this whenever you're out and about, and that's one of the reasons why tracks are so valuable. So those are the kind of things concisely, uh, the kind of things that I would talk to somebody about and work with them on. George, what do you hope people will take away from reading this book? Oh, man, that's a huge question. Um, well, I hope they take away my intent of the book. Number one, exposing this sin in their life, not only just individually, but uh, in, in different parts of their life, such as if they're very comfortable speaking to strangers, but they're not comfortable speaking to their family members, that they would break out of that comfort zone and reach out to their family members, and then vice versa for other categories as well in their life. And that people would see the, the problem in their local churches and that their local church as a unit would schedule evangelistic inverts because, I mean, that's where, that's where I think the bulk of it should be um, as a unit coming out together. And so that fellowship and prayer and, and, and being united in the word can call start being applicable in their lives. And that they would see that as a unit in the churches and then they would reach out to their leaders and then have them please understand the most important thing uh, right now as a church mission, why we're here as to why they should be witnessing. And then, of course... Um, 
what I want people to grasp is that the uh, the great great commission isn't just just a command that God is just suggested just because He felt like it, but it will be a natural part of a believer's life. If a person feels like they're lax in it, I'm praying that the person will repent, and I pray that the person will experience a you little know, mini revival in their heart to have a newfound love for the Great Commission. And if a person finds out that they're not truly born again during that time, I pray that the person truly gets saved and understands the gospel correctly so that they might go out and be a faithful witness for Christ. So those are my various intents. I know that there's more, but those are the big overarching themes. George, I want to thank you so much for being on the show with me today. And one more time, where can people go to contact you and find out more information about you and your book? If you want to contact me, uh, you can contact me uh, through um, watersourceministries.com uh, backslash apostasy. You can go on the Facebook page. That's my Facebook page if you want to inbox me there. Um, if you had any questions about the book, you can go to mr.apostasy at yahoo.com. And, um, and if you have any questions about the actual sale of the book, you can go to trackplanet.com. And you can go to that ministry if you want to purchase a book or you have a question about the book. How would you like to win a free copy of Apostasy signed by the author? All you have to do is answer the following trivia question. George Alvarado serves the United States military. Which branch of the military does he serve in? And what is his correct job title? Hopefully you were listening closely to the show. To enter, go to witnesstalkradio.org and click on the contact page. Enter your answer as well as your name and email address. The deadline for entries is September 6, 2014, and two people with the correct answers will be chosen at random on the next show. Winners will be contacted via email. Thanks for entering. Until next week, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share your faith. May God bless you.